0: Hello and welcome to this week's Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. It's been a great week for England. they completed their first overseas win in over two years. Jennings, folks and the spinners particularly impressing. We have a World T20 to look forward to. Can England do the double? We'll talk about Australia's torrid ODI form. They've won their first game in eight ODIs and Zimbabwe, who won their first overseas test in 17 years. With their win and England's win this week, has playing away from home ever been so easy? I'm Yaz Rana, and I'm joined by Wisden Cricket Monthly's magazine editor, Joe Harmon. Hello, Hello Joe. Yaz. Hello. And my fellow Wisden hip young gunslinger, still not sure what that means, Ben Gardner. How are you?
2: I'm, I'm all right, Yaz. Hi, Joe. We're all, good. Yeah, we're all well,
0: good. Well, let's crack on. Ben, what's your moment of the week?
2: Uh, well, my moment of the week is uh, quite a sad one, really. It was uh, waking up this morning and seeing the, uh, the the embargoed press release that Catherine Brunt was going to be... Uh, entirely out of, of the upcoming World T20. It's not only a, a huge blow to England, like she's obviously a sort of attack leader and spiritual leader in a way, but she's come and as a batsman. She's a proper runner on that side, but really just from a, a personal point of view for her, she um, she's sort of intimated that this might be her her last tournament. It's sort of, it, it, it hasn't been confirmed and it might be that she wants to go out on her own terms and now delays that until the end of the next dashes, but it's uh, just, 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 just really sad for, for England and for her. Fran Wilson's
0: come in but to replace somebody who bats in top five and is one of your five bowlers is always going to be difficult and there's no light for light replacement within the squad.
1: Yeah and she's a real talisman for them as well. When I interviewed Danny Wyatt a few weeks back I said I suggested that this might be Catherine Brunt's final tournament and her, her face fell and she said she's just so important to the team not only what she does on the pitch but in terms of the change room it's still quite a young side and she offers so much experience. Danny White said she's not going to let Catherine Brunt retire anytime soon. Uh, so I, I, I hope and I think that if now that she can't play this tournament, she'll hold out for the Ashes at least next summer. The, cl-
2: the closest they've got, not in terms of being a pace bowler, but as sort of a an all-action all-rounder is maybe Sophia Dunkley. Uncapped and we'll get more into the England stuff soon. But um, I, I really like her. I think she's got, got a bit about her and she bowls leg spin, which basically no England bowler almost ever has done. Um, So, yeah, it could be a route into the side for her. But, yeah, it's a huge blow.
0: Well, we'll talk about the World T20 in greater detail later. Joe, what's your moment of the week?
1: So, mine was uh, a thing I I saw on Twitter that that caught my eye. Uh, Shiva Singh, an Indian left-arm spinner of Uttar Pradesh, who uh, had a kind of unique approach to the wicket. And he he did a 360-degree pirouette in his run-up before releasing the ball, which then, uh, disappointingly, was called a dead ball by the umpires. Uh, So... Apparently he had done it in a previous match and it had been allowed. This one was caught on video, deadballed, uh, which I think is a is a cry in shame. I think uh I think that we should have more innovative run-ups. I was thinking Mo and Ali Moonwalk, as he possibly comes <laughs> in, or um you could have kind of James Anderson strip ball sort of waltzing to the wicket together before whichever of them bowls.
0: But the so, laws of the game, Joe.
1: What what do they say?
0: Well, funny <laughs> you say that. Um, as I'm sure you all know, under law twenty-one point one. The bowler must state his or her mode of delivery, which seems to have been left arm round the wicket in this case, but does not state how conventional the bowler's approach should be. But Law 41.4 says it is unfair for any fielder to deliberately attempt to distract the striker while he or she is preparing to receive or receiving a delivery. If either umpire considers that uh, action by a fielder is such an attempt, he, he or she shall immediately call and signal dead ball and inform the other umpire of the reason for the call. Um, the MCC have clarified this and said uh, the bowler counts as a fielder and the law states the offence is the attempt to distract the striker rather than the striker actually being distracted. So if the umpire f- feels that the tactic was done deliberately to distract the striker and because the bowler doesn't do it every ball, uh, so that, that seems
1: to be the reason why. So that's my take from it. That's what I understood. So basically all Shivers thing needs to do is do it every single ball. Yeah. And <laughs> then, then it's fine. That's just what part of his run up. Something weird
2: every ball.
0: I mean, where do you draw the line? Cause like Mark Wood used to, when he first came to the England team, used to start his run up basically before the batman was ready, mm. and then the I remember Kane Williamson realizing, actually, if I just pull out, that's fine.
1: Yeah,
2: there, there was an IPL game. I think it might have been Andre Russell bowling to Shane Watson, and this it's a bit different as well. But it's a pace bowler and a spinner, I think, because the, the more of a danger element. But Andre Russell sort of looked like he was pulling out of his run up, sort of like just kind of ran a bit lazily as he was approaching the crease, and then. Got back into it and bowled, and Shane Watson was kind of like, what's going on, and just like didn't even play a shot, and I think that was counted as fine. But I think also Andre Russell did it behind the umpire, so the umpire basically had, had no idea. But I mean, you've got to do something back to the bowlers, haven't you? I mean, nice to. I mean, batsman can step backwards and then step across as the bowler's is about to bowl. Why can't the bowler do something a bit weird and then bowl it? I think it's it's a, it's a nice bit yeah. of, of of mental mental chess. Just
1: quite funny, isn't it? Yeah, I think a, that yeah. I think that should be I, encouraged.
2: Quite enjoyed as well that it was seemed to be Bishan Betty who sort of
1: broke the story as if he's a sort of a here-to-the-ground journalist. Uh. And then, then just wrote Weirdo, <laughs> which I thought was a bit bit strange as well. Um,
0: I mean, fair enough, to I be honest, right. if, you can, if you can do a 360-12 and still bowl the ball accurately, like, if you can do that. And it was bang on. It was bang on.
1: I saw yeah. um, Ali Martin of The Guardian tweeting Swanee saying that maybe he'd, he'd picked up some <laughs> some tips from watching him on Strictly.
0: Well, I think that's enough on uh, the 360-12. Um, my moment of the week... Uh, has the, the England win but in particular waking up on Tuesday morning and seeing the England 11 a lot of people predicted uh, very different 11s um, and I personally didn't think they would actually uh, leave out Stuart Broads. and it was great to see a team featuring so many players who've uh, been consistent performers in county cricket for a long time so Rory Burns, Jack Leach, Ben Folks, to a degree, Sam Curran um, they've been standout players in county cricket for a while and it rubbishes the suggestion that... Um, county cricket is in any way devalued as some people were suggesting when Adi Rashid was picked early in the summer um, and yeah, with the exception of Burns they paid really well um, and they contributed to a really healthy England win and England's first away win since October 2016 when they
2: won Bangladesh. Yeah, I just love basically all of them as well. Yeah. Like
0: it's a really uh, nice
2: team. Yeah, really nice. Like I mean Jack Leach talking about being a DJ at Josh Butler's wedding. That was a really nice picture that I saw of a uh, Josh Butler, Adil Rashid and Mon and Ali, Mona the big backpack on going a little like day out together. It's just I am I really really root for them in a way that that like like I mean obviously so you sort of wanting them to win, but you just like all the individual people as well. Yeah, right?
0: I feel like Jack Leach has got the potential to be like the Harry Maguire figure, the cult status. Definitely figure. got a
1: bit of that, hasn't he? There was a bit. I saw a bit of um, kind of Monty in him as he was celebrating his wickets. That kind of wide-eyed disbelief that he managed to take a wicket every time yeah. he does it, and the kind of uh, endearing nervousness as he's talking to the, the TV cameras at the end. There is that. There is that kind of um, yeah, as you say, cult hero status and. I think the difference between those two is monty had his had his frailties, obviously had his difficulties off the pitch and and leach, as much as he's not your kind of classic cricketer doesn't look like your classic cricketer does seem like a more robust character. He's had some really tough times he's obviously had his action questioned and had to fight back and and remodel his action. He's been probably not treated especially well by England. They've made it pretty clear i think that they didn't really back him initially and he, he's kind of forced his way in rather than them. Seeing him as a as someone had, who had to be picked, uh, and I think watching him bowl this morning, there'll be a lot of Somerset fans sitting there going, "Well, we told you so," well, and they certainly did.
2: Was, he, a, out of professional game for a long time as well, wasn't he? Like he, was,
1: yeah,
2: you know, went went through uni and then what? he round the trolleys at, at Tesco, is that right?
1: Yeah, that is right. Although I think he was doing that whilst playing. So the I did, but yeah, but but he's had an unconventional route. He's an unconventional greaser in lots of ways, and uh, he's is uh, chat about. Him and Butler teaming up again after taking wickets for Somerset under 11, caught Butler, bold Leach as he was screaming at, at Butler as he went to approach him, which is not, not your average celebration. And I think there's a lot to, uh, to enjoy in Jack Leach over the next few years, hopefully. Quite
0: different to a Tom Curran celebration, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I think even even in victory, he's not got as much credit as he'd probably ordinarily get in another England performance. Uh, with everyone else doing, not everyone else, but a lot of other players doing well. He he took five for a hundred. The wicket uh, to get rid of Chandamarte
2: today was basically was the perfect a perfect left-arm
0: spinner delivery, and, and also delivery.
2: just t- didn't bowl a bad ball. Yeah. I think I saw a stat that that was something like the longest an English spinner had gone without bowling uh, without conceding a boundary in some amount of time. He's a uh, yeah, he look, look, looks really really good, and especially on these types of pitches, he you knows how to bowl.
1: A nice, quite telling comment I thought as well as he was speaking to uh, Sky at the end. Uh, talking about Mo and how well he'd bowled and he said I, I wish I could bowl like Mo which when a lot of people spend that whole time saying the Mo and Ali is not a spinner it's interesting to see the best spinner in the country in terms of stats over the last few years saying he wishes he could bowl, bowl like Mo and what it shows is they've got great variety especially with Rashid in there didn't bowl so well today but did his job in the first innings yeah. uh, England have got a huge amount of options
2: apart from a, a left arm wrist spinner they've basically got every single base covered haven't they
1: yeah.
0: You have a right arm uh, swing seam bowler in, in Jimmy, left arm swing bowler in Corin, right arm fast in Stokes, left arm orthodox spinner.
1: Four wicket keepers. Yeah, yeah. four
0: <laughs> wicket keepers. Um, There's no
2: batsman, but that's fine.
0: <laughs> well, Ben, you you were particularly happy with Ben folks's 100. Ben uh, came into the office on, uh, was it Tuesday morning, with yeah. a with a wide grin and um, he basically had one for the rest of the day. Ben's, a, like myself actually, a massive Ben Folk's fan. Um, that was a great debut, but you're not really surprised, are you?
2: No, I mean, I've, I've, I don't, I don't want to toot my own horn, but <laughs> sort of uh,
1: given that he was the one that scored the century, <laughs> yeah, well,
2: he, he should take some of the credit. Um, but yeah, I've, 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 I've sort of supported his case for for a while. Um, he just like, I, I mean, and it's tough when you you because as you know, we work at the Oval. Uh, it's tough not to sort of favour people here, but just every time you watch him bat, it kind of looks like almost like he's playing below his level in the way that established test cricketers do. They just kind of look like they're going to make runs every time and like they're sort of not troubling. You know, like somebody kind of knows his game really well. And Joe spoke to James Foster today. It would be interesting to hear what he had to say about him as well.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm doing a piece on on Ben Folk's for the upcoming issue of Wisdom Cricket Monthly. Uh, and we've spoken to, well, there's a lot of sorry players in this squad now. So you, obviously, Ben, you spoke to Ollie Pope. Yeah. Uh, Phil's written about Sam Curran. Uh, and then uh, Aaron Haranath has interviewed his, his teammate, Rory Burns, as well. So for part of that, I, I spoke to James Foster, um, who obviously played with him at Essex. In some ways, Foster kind of forced folks to leave because he needed some keeping opportunities. But he, I, I put the, the now famous quote of Alex Stewart saying, Folks is the best best keeper in the world to Foster and said, is, is that a fair comment? He said, absolutely. Of everyone he's he's seen on TV and playing against in county cricket, he says, Folks is, is the best keeper. Uh, and continues to improve he said he's never played with anyone who works so hard on his game trains so hard but said with that he's also a very laid-back character who knows how to process the information he's given from coaches use what suits him leave aside the stuff that doesn't uh, and is a very kind of self-sufficient cricketer it's all the things you hear about when people talk talk about Alistair Cook or, or Joe Root just being not only a hugely talented cricketer but one who's absolutely capable and knows how to go about things. And I think it's gonna be fascinating what England do with this side now. I can't see them dropping folks for quite a long time now. I know you don't want to get too ahead of yourself, but given how good he is as a keeper and the fact he's got a century, I think it's going to be a struggle to to justify dropping him. So then you've got how do you fit Besto back in, which is a yeah I think we're gonna come we'll, to yeah, anyway. We'll
0: come come on to that next. I mean just on on Ben folks, England fans probably kind of forgotten how how nice it is to have a keeper that good for a while like it's been four years four and a half years since Matt Pryor last played a test match for England oh but you um, don't want to do
1: I mean Besto has become a very good keeper
0: but Ben Fox is so natural that um, is true I think he he takes the half chances um, and uh, I think particularly in Sri Lanka where it's spinning I think you need that like his stumping he make he was quite a hard stumping the ball bounce quite a lot he made that look routine. yeah. Um, and like throughout the whole test match, you made keeping it look so easy.
1: Yeah, I do think the more we talk about folks being a good keeper, somehow besto becomes the worst keeper. And yeah. given the strides he's made, I think that, that the danger of that being qu- quite unfair. And I know, well, yeah. we all know besto feels that very keenly yeah. and has a bit of a chip on his shoulder about it. But he's, to an extent, just got to take it on the chin. I mean, does he really think he's the best keeper in the country? It'd mm. be interesting to hear his thoughts on that. But not many would say that Bastro is. Well,
0: folks is batting as well. Like uh, in his century, um, he batted sensibly. Um, the 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 top six went in with um, I thought unnecessary positivity. Uh, they weren't very pragmatic. They the, uh, Joe Root was talking about it even at the end of the Test match, saying they wanted to push fielders back and make batting easier later on. But uh, in doing so, they most of the top order gave their wickets away, and Ben Folkes batted sensibly. Um, and quite responsibly and I thought that was really impressive on debut so I think similarly uh, I think when we talk up Ben Fokes' batting we almost talk down his batting actually he as Ben's been going on about for ages he, he merits a place in the side on batting alone forget the fact that he's the best keeper in the country
1: he's sort of a specialist keeper who bats isn't yeah. he in a not kind away, way which which is massively important to us. So how,
0: how do we get Johnny Besto back in the team? Johnny well, Birstow's fit for the second Test match, most likely. How do we get back, back in the team?
1: I think it depends how England
2: look back on that first session, the Test match. Um, if they look at it as a, a good plan that was executed poorly or it's just uh, ha- it's, it's risky anywhere and they kind of played shots that were sort of percentage-wise but didn't come off. Or if they think that they should bat a bit more like Ben Folkes did and uh, and just sort of and just play I guess, and not worry too much about the run rate, that sort of thing. Because if if they do want to sort of take the attack to Sri Lanka, um then harsh as it is, they could bring Berstow in for, for Rory Burns, who I think if you're looking at the team, uh like even just counting it down, like basically no one you can drop apart from him. Jennings got hundred at wickets.
1: Unless you decided to take a bowler out, which I wouldn't do, but that that is the other option. Or
2: you leave Berstow out.
1: Yes, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm not I'm not discounting that at all. Yeah. But it, it's uh
2: yeah, and I, I guess that's then I think Michael Aston made the good point that we have no idea what the pitch is gonna look like for this next test. It might not warrant three spinners, possibly. Mm. Um and if that's the case then you can bring Berto back in, surely as a specialist batsman in that way. Um But again, who for? Like I guess I guess Rashid would Rashid, be the one.
0: But then Rashid I know he doesn't bowl that much, root isn't bowling too much, but he does use him he uses him to take Wickets where nothing's really happening. He does clean up tails like no one else does.
1: They've got if they are bringing him in, they've got it really clear that they're doing it to make the side better, not because they want to get their stay back yeah. in the team. And I think if he doesn't play the next test, so be it. And I probably would leave him out. Uh, and I don't think it's a massive concern. You bring him back in when certainly um, I'm sure he'll play over the winter anyway. And then certainly next summer when you've got a bowl of fewer in that side, then mm. you do want to have him come back in. Rob Smythe wrote a really excellent piece for the Guardian Spin this week talking about the idea of a a best 11 being a kind of antiquated idea, that that shouldn't exist anymore, that you should have a squad that you trust and you pick your 11. So you've got your best squad and then you pick your best 11 for each game based on that. And I think that's where Ed Smith is coming from. Uh, And I'm not sure changing a winning team is always whether you want to do that anyway is, is questionable. But in this circumstance, I think to drop Burns after a tickle down the leg side and a run out on your first test would be, especially given how long he's, thought to try and get yeah. in the test side many... would be quite a brutal selection really and
0: how many runs he scored for surrey over the last five years i think uh, the runs that folks and not just folks but sam curran as well have uh, hit for england um i think there's a massive wake-up call for your quartet of moeen Jos butler johnny Bairstow, and ben stokes uh the four guys have been around the england team for a long time and like if you're if going to be honest really good teams don't have four guys in the middle order who, who all average in the low to mid-30s. Uh, if England are to become a, a great test team um, and challenge teams away from home, all teams, like the Schranker team is not the best team. It's a good win, but they're not the best team in the world. Um, I think those guys need to be take more responsibility for their batting. And they all have uh, multiple strings to their bow, so they justify selection uh, in other ways. But I think long-term, those guys need to... Uh, score more runs basically and be more consistent and more reliable. At the moment, way too much is being expected of Joe Root and the lower order. There's that stat going around Twitter that um the last five wickets for England in the last is it last year or something last calendar year I think it's calendar year average more than the top five and that's not right and I think the top order need to take more responsibility. Um, Keaton Jennings, we kind of glossed over that, mm. but what an important innings that is that potentially saved his Test career.
1: He's. I've, I wouldn't have picked him. I'll be honest. I wouldn't probably wouldn't have even taken him because I just thought the record he had shouldn't be rewarded with selection for a win at all. But Ed Smith again has looked at the conditions and said, look, he got a century in India. He plays spin really well. He plays a sweep shop about, shot about shot as well as anyone and a lot of them. Um, he deserves another chance. And he's completely shown that was a, that was the right call. Um, and he's clearly a really lovely bloke who took some really difficult times this summer in his, in his stride. So it's great to see him do well, uh, whether that means again whether he should start next summer uh an ash's summer against australia's quicks in difficult mm. conditions is another question again i mean I, I still based on what he's done this winter i don't think that necessarily means he's going to succeed next summer but for the time being after the rough tough run he's had i think we just say Seriously, well-batted Keaton Jennings and, and the mental strength he showed as well was was incredible after the the summaries had.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, so I mean, because it's all well and good, sort of talking about this. Uh, this you pick your, your best, your, your team you think is going to win the next Test match. But it's in practice, it does get like it does get a bit harder. It's like it would feel very strange if you had Keaton Jennings who doesn't play a Test in England, who you then sort of pick for every overseas tour in a way. Or and I, it's, I think it's just slightly different with with batsmen, maybe that mm. it just feels different. I know India do sort of do it, like they like basically don't ever pick the same the same team two games or or at all but it's it's sort of tough to see how it works in practice when you when consistency is important as a batsman to be able to like play without fear of failure because that could be loss of your place and that sort of thing it is is a tough thing with jenny so i don't know how if it could impact the england team long term to uh sort of discard him even if he has a good winter i don't know
1: the reality is if he has a massive winter or a good winter he will start the first test of the ashes the debate is whether that makes him the best person to still keep the job. Yeah. And then you decide two, three tests in.
0: Well, we've only got one test match at home before the Ashes starts. We've got three in West Indies and one against Ireland, I think, at Lords. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I really like Jennings as a, as a, as a character. Um, I really wanted to see because I honestly think he could be a future England captain. Take, take the burden of Joe Root. I know that's uh, quite premature considering that uh, he's had a horrible run in the side at home. But in terms of his character, I don't think there are many... Obvious leaders in the team other than Jennings and, and Butler, probably the only other guy who, who could do it. Um, so, yeah, I'm um, Ben Folks. Ben Folks, maybe. Oh, yeah. Ben Folks captain. Roy Burns. Um, well,
1: also, I, I'm not saying I don't even necessarily want the job, but the way Mo and Ali captained Worcestershire this summer amazing, as well uh, was really impressive. So, there you go, loads of captains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. We
0: can't talk about the test match without uh, a word on Rangana Harath, who retired. 433 test wickets, the most of any left arm bowler in the history of the game. Um, Ben, do you think he's kind of underrated? He's gone under the radar and he's had a stellar international career? Uh,
2: Yeah, I do. And when it comes to people being talked as underrated, I often think that underrated players get talked off so much underrated that they become rated. But I I still think with him that he is. Michael Um, Carrick. uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, (laughs) James Milner.
1: (laughs) Cricket boys, cricket. cricket, Cricket. Um,
2: uh, Daryl Mitchell. Um, Anyway... Um, Rangan Harath I think he's a, yeah, I, th- I think he's, a, he's a, he, I think he's a brilliant and I think I think he does qualify for the sort of the, the great status if, if you want if that's an important distinction to make I think that um, sort of without him Shrank would have been basically nowhere after Merrily retired I think that he's like just improved so much with age and I think yeah it's just that the fact there's no sort of mystery there means that he's underrated to some extent um, he just kind of plugs away a little bit which and even that even the way it's similar to how people used to about James Trevor and ODI cricket. You underrate them almost just by how you talk about them, even if you're praising them. Because Harath, although he didn't have like he wouldn't turn it miles or do things that other bowlers can sort of dream of doing, he would work out players. He'd know exactly when to use his arm ball. He'd know he'd be able to like drift it. He'd have like immaculate control, and there was a lot of intelligence there rather than just being a sort of line and length spin bowler. Mm. And um, and they they're like. There have been the occasional moment overseas when perhaps he's come up a bit wanting, but there have also been brilliant moments overseas. I think Shranka's like one of the best wins of the last decade. Really was against Stafford and South and he took in nine or eight wickets in the game. Yeah, and he was he he was amazing.
1: So he, well, I mean, that is because in my mind, I think of him as an excellent, excellent bowler, and his record is incredible. But in my mind, he doesn't fit into the great category, and it's so subjective anyway. What great even means, but. And I was trying to work out why I think that, whether that's kind of Western bias or because he hasn't done so well in England in terms of test cricket over here. But then I was looking at his away record compared to some of the other great spin bowlers of, of the kind of modern era. So Herath averages 39 away from home compared to Warren at 26, Murray 28, Cumberley 36 and then Haberjan 39. So that I think that's where I'm coming from. It doesn't make me right but and I've gone in there with a Belief and try to back it up with stats, which is I think so the, the way you do it these days. I harass
0: not quite Shane Warne or Murali Yeah, <laughs> no, no but that's true. But, well, but,
1: but but even even Kumblay, I just think I don't know. I in, that's that's why I think I don't think he's that great. Or oh, sorry, not that Ooh. great. A great, <laughs> a great, a great, a great. But what he's done for Sri Lankan cricket is remarkable. Um, kind of taking the burden from Murali uh, at the age that he did. Uh, and I know Sangakara says he's kind of one of the most skillful. Players he's played with, most admirable cricketers he's he's played with. Um,
0: um, very quickly, do you think he should be walking off into the sunset after the first Test match? When no, because basically, their best bowler.
1: No, I I have a I have an issue with this. Uh, I think if he's fit enough to play the first Test and he's fit enough to go and play first-class cricket, as apparently he's going to do, he should be playing the second and third Test. Farewell, get get your farewell at the end of the series. But just because it's Gaul and you want to go, I, it really it kind when of most
0: of the fans are England fans anyway. Yeah, like, and.
1: and yeah, and they, they've done it before. I know in Sri Lankan cricket, Sankara bowed out midway through a series. But for me, it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't know whether that's even necessarily how much of it is his call cool or whether it's Sri Lankan cricket's call, cool. but whoever's call cool it was is the wrong one in my mind. I,
0: I kind of got the impression just by watching him in the field that I wouldn't be surprised if he had decided to retire before the series uh, started and he basically... Got convinced. Can you please do at least one test match? Like he's really struggling in the field. Like he, he doesn't look like a test match player.
2: No, anyway, but then he hasn't done for quite a
1: lot, of, a lot of his career. And the bowling was—he was still Sri <laughs> best bowler, probably or Pereira, Pereira. Probably won, yeah, yeah, alongside Pereira. Yeah.
2: It's funny as well. Pereira's sort of the the young upstart who's expected to take take on the mantle. He's what thirty six. Yeah, he's thirty six. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm sure they'll they'll just keep churning out bowlers who come into Test cricket with an yeah. average of 20 and yeah. 900 first-class wickets and continue to win them games in Sri Lanka. So I think I, I think they'll probably be okay as well. It's not I don't think he's going to leave quite the same void that you thought Murray would and then didn't in a way. But he is still going to be a, a big loss, obviously.
0: World T20 kicks off today. Um, ben, how do you think England are shaping up going into the tournament? Uh,
2: pretty good. They have had really good form in T20. Well, reasonable form in T20 for a while. They obviously won the Tri-Series against Africa and New Zealand. They lost in the final against India and Australia and won the series against Australia in the Ashes. All, all good sides and they held their own every time. Uh, Danny White's come in own. obviously we've spoken a lot about her, including on this podcast. Um, and I think uh, they've got a good bowling attack they've picked a lot of lot of spinners a lot of left arm spinners um uh, which is good for the conditions i think that 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 might be the biggest challenge for them is they've sort of gone with a no holds barred cricket it's got a world record score got what 300s between them in the last in the last year i've been to see if the sort of the danny white described them as cabbage patches if uh, if they can yeah. hit through the line on on those on those pitchers, yeah. or if they can sort of rotate the strike and uh and get up to sort of like a 150 160 rather than aiming for for 200 and getting out for 120.
0: Mark Robinson described uh, the the pitches and grounds there as uh, being conducive to old-school women's cricket in that um, the boundaries are, are pretty big. They haven't brought them in on these international stadiums. Uh, so he's expecting like quite low-scoring games where taking the strike is quite important.
2: Yeah, that's what happened when England toured there before the World Cup. Uh, they won ODI Series 3-2. Think and uh, yeah, that, that scores of 150 in ODIs could prove match-winning then. So it's going to be yeah, a lot of uh, ones and twos even threes really testing the fitness. Um, could be quite important to to bat deep, which makes Brunt even more of a loss. Um, I, I yeah, I, 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 I but considering how easy their group is comparatively, um, I would put them as slight favourites ahead of Australia just because there's every chance Australia could slip up against New Zealand. Or India, and then uh, after, does so that make sense? Whereas, if Australia get out of their group, I'd make them favourites.
0: Cool. So, uh, other than Australia, anyone else who you think could threaten? one thing well, West Indies are the hosts and reigning
2: champions. Yeah, I mean, Hayley Matthews is going to come back into form, so that's uh, that, that's exciting for them. And they 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 might do something as the nature of the format as well. I mean, South Africa beat England in a T Twenty in the summer, so there's no reason why they couldn't spring an upset. I mean, e- even Bangladesh in that group, um, I. They beat, they won the Asia Cup the first time India had ever lost a game at that tournament, and they uh, won the whole thing, beat India twice. And I saw them, I went, I was at the qualifiers, and uh, the leg spinners, Romana Ahmed especially, is uh, she's just fantastic, and uh, that's going to be a, a real challenge actually for, for some of the teams. You probably won't have seen a lot of her. And then New Zealand, uh, sort of a bit of bit of having flown, Joe. You sort of feel like our New Zealand a cricket expert? Uh, am I? Wow, <laughs> yeah.
1: that's a. New title, I'll be demanding a pay rise. Um, One for LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. So Susie Bates is stead down as captain. They got absolutely spanked by Australia in the recent series. It, they're not looking particularly good, and I think with India and Australia in that group, I put them third favourites to get out of there. I think India could be really strong. I mean, the way Mandana batted uh, in the KSL this summer, she was just on a on another level. Matani Raj is going to is going to back through. Mandana can play some shots. They've got a good good spin options for the Caribbean. I think they could be really strong.
2: Jemima Rodriguez looks really excited. Yeah.
1: Right. So that there, there are loads of options there. And they showed, having not performed in tournaments particularly well, they showed last summer in the World Cup that, that they actually now have got that kind of pedigree. Uh, so I think they would be dark horses. I do think it, it looks like a two-horse race with England and Australia. But West Indies showed last time that you can come from, come from anywhere in the shortest format.
2: Yeah, the one thing for me with India is they... <laughs> they have sort of there's been there's been a bit of fluctuation with them like so they had no idea against sri lanka who kind of you like people sort of think they might finish boss with that group and they just squeaked it 2-1 they lost the last game and mm. the second they won by seven runs or something and then they 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 lost the asia cup losing to bangladesh twice like there are there are cracks there so i think i think the, the thing that's really exciting is there's kind of no dominant team going into it and it is it is really open not just because the bottom teams are caught up tonight, but i think because some of those top teams are just slightly slightly not as strong as they maybe have in the past. and yeah, it could be it's gonna be fascinating, I think.
0: I think. Very quickly, quick words on Ireland. They comfortably beat Sri Lanka in the last warm up game. Uh you were at the qualifying qualifying event for the tournament. How do you think they will do?
2: Yeah, it says a bit more about Sri Lanka I think than it does about Ireland's hopes, but they, they do have some really talented players. I think um Kim Garth is a she's a, a fast bowler who's good enough to earn a place in BBL sides and bowl full quotas in, in winning finals. I say so she she had a stress fracture at the back, but it looks like she's back to uh to somewhere close to full bowling fitness that could be really big for them. And then um the other one is Gabby Lewis, who's seventeen or maybe she's turned eighteen by now, and a really, really classy batter base. She, she she's got some power, she can hit sixes, but she kind of looks the the complete package in a way. She's the uh, the daughter of Alan Lewis, who uh is uh played a big role in getting Ireland Crick up and going in the nineties. Um,
0: and international rugby referee
2: yes yeah well there you go uh, but yeah so she, she's got she's got half centuries against New Zealand uh, and yeah she, she, she looks a really really class act, of and she could be really big for them going mm. through they've also got Claire Shillington at the top of the order who's got a century for them I think against Japan I want to say um, seriously good knowledge <laughs>
1: so... probably just making it up <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah so and it looks like it'll be hers and Kira Metcalf's last tournament um, so that'll be a, they'll want to go out on a high yeah, they've got weapons and there's no reason why if a couple of those don't come off, they might sort of uh, at least run someone close. I think this is probably a few years too early, but they look like a team on the rise and that's 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 really exciting.
0: Now looking at cricket around the world, uh, other cricket around the world that's taking place in the last week. Uh, Australia won an ODI, the first in. Uh, they lost seven in a row. Um, that's a really that's a really exciting series, I think. Uh, you've got Dale Stain, Kagisa Rabada, Lungi Ngidi, uh, Hazelwood, Cummins and Stark all playing the same game. Uh, that's pretty exciting. Um,
1: we're not going to talk. Marcus
0: Stoinis as well. Marcus Stoinis, who took the most wickets out of any of those in the game today. Um, I found that funny how Aaron Finch got man of the match for scoring forty-one and superb captaincy. Rarely do you see, uh, well, player of the match awards given for superb captaincy. Yeah. Uh, really. Yeah. Joe, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's been talk that uh, the the bans the Smith, Warner, and Bancroft uh, might be rescinded. Do you oh. think there's any chance of that happening? I mean, Really? who knows
1: who knows with australian cricket at the moment <laughs> i was speaking to mel jones who's our our new columnist with cricket monthly yesterday um and she she said she wakes up every morning looking at her phone wondering what what's happened next who's going to resign and and it it has got that feel to it at the moment she said whether you think the ban was too long or not in the first place that now that was the ban given that they should serve it and and i can i can see that i think bringing them back just adds to the kind of theatre of the whole thing uh there's an argument to say it's not even necessarily fair on the on the players, given the pressure and the scrutiny it would it'll would put on them. So who knows? I think Cricket Australia had to say they would consider it based on the culture review. To have just dismissed it would have just suggested they were just as arrogant as they were as they as they were reviewed to be. Uh, I'd be surprised if we see them back early, but not massively surprised. But,
0: but now they've actually won an ODI, they can bring them back and not say they're doing it because they're <laughs> really bad at ODI cricket.
1: Yeah, possibly. I mean, it's, <laughs> cer- it's certainly, when you think the challenge ahead of a four-test series against India, it's certainly tempting to think we'd be a lot better side with Warner and yeah. Smith in it. Um, but I don't know. I think that's probably one one story too many for Cricket Australia to handle at the moment.
2: I think the ideal outcome for me, from Australia's point of view, would be for Steve Smith probably to come out himself and say, I accept the ban completely and I look forward to returning a year after I was originally banned, it would sort of like help to reingratiate him. It would sort of put the story completely to bed. There's no way they could bring him back after that. I think that I'm not the person who came up with this. I can't remember who... I was going to say wrote, it's a career in PR. For you. <laughs> who wrote it? But I, I think I think it's, it's a solution that makes perfect sense. And Steve, if, if you're listening, I think it's what you should do. <laughs> I'm Warner, sure. do we expect Warner to do the same thing? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I think once Steve Smith's doing it, it would be half a day for David Warner to come back and say like, no, I'm <laughs> I'm coming back now or never at all. And uh... hard, but not necessarily unlikely, <laughs> yeah. isn't it?
0: Um, and Ben Zimbabwe got their first overseas win in 17 years. That's that's brilliant. Even though it's against a pretty weak Bangladesh side at the moment.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, Bangladesh missing Tammy Shaki Iba Hassan, we should say. I mean, they've been on a lower Bangladesh, but this is probably an unfair reflection of of where they are as well. But yeah, it's great for Zimbabwe. And they've got, I mean, the one I really like is, is Sikander Raza, who uh, was player of the tournament at the uh, at the qualifiers when Zimbabwe just missed out on uh, sort of causing a bit of a shock and getting to the the World Cup. And he took three wickets in both innings. Um, he bowls really well, but he just looks like a, a really like, classy runner. But more than that, he's a seems like a a guy with his sort of heart in the right place and sort of thinks a lot about what's good for the game. That's something of thing spoke really powerfully on receivers player of the match award because Zimbabwe went in that final. So he sort of drove down to the ground to pick it up and then uh, went on a big tirade against, against the IC and everyone. And it was a, uh,
1: for the 10 team world cup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, uh, and it was uh, yeah, quite, quite, quite powerful stuff really. Um, so yeah, I mean, for, for him and for the team, it's, it's a huge moment and they've, they've got a really talented, talented team, Brendan Taylor,
1: well, this is it because things were starting to look up about 12 months ago or 18 months ago with Carl Jarvis coming back, Brendan mm, Taylor yeah. coming back. And then it just didn't quite happen. And the World Cup qualifier, really, given it was on home sales, was, was a disappointment, mm. really. Um, so then to have this kind of unexpected win um, was great for them. And they've got another test in the series. I think right? Two, yeah. more, two, two, two more.
0: more. I was really excited. I thought uh, Zimbabwe's win meant that, uh, that 10 teams would have won a test match this year. And I thought that might have been the first time ever... Bangladesh haven't won yet so Bangladesh please win and then that could be a good that's the main thing Um, so uh, let's end with what we're looking forward to most in the next week in cricket I'll start Um, I'm really looking forward to obviously the World T20 but particularly the fact that it's a short sharp and sweet tournament Um, it's over and done with in just over just a two week period um, and there'll be lots of good cricket played there and happening, and 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 hopefully not many meaningless games, as we're probably going to have to endure during next year's World Cup. Um,
1: mine is uh, I'm looking forward to seeing. Well, we've already discussed it, but what England do with their selection debate? I think I've, we've never known a, a number of options like it in the England side. Uh, and whether Besto will throw his toys out of the pram if he's not recalled, I think he's he's not particularly good at holding it in when he's annoyed. And uh, I think my guess is he probably will be. Uh, sitting out in the next second test and probably quite annoyed as a result
2: Ben your moment of the week uh super Sunday seven international games and uh me reporting on probably basically all of them so that'll, that'll be a fun and terrifying but yeah yeah um, you're looking for something to do that's what you should be doing on Sunday cool thanks
0: Ben thanks Joe that's your wisdom cricket weekly podcast folks make sure that you subscribe and get all your friends to subscribe see you next week
1: Podcast Network.